This is Ken Forster, Executive Director of Momenta Partners and Momenta Ventures. Welcome to our Digital Leadership Podcast. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momenta, they are deep industry practitioners. We hope you find these podcasts informative, and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day, this is Ken Forster with edition 95 of our Momenta Digital Leadership Podcast Series. Today is my pleasure to welcome Ken Pittington. Ken has been building, transforming, and creating multi-billion dollar growth for high-performing businesses throughout his career. As an award-winning thought leader and published author, he is respected for game-changing industry contributions and his passion for talent development and customer satisfaction. Ken is currently Vice President and Chief Information Officer at U.S. Silica, where he's responsible for defining and executing the company's business technology strategy and driving transformational change across all lines of business. Prior, Ken was the CIO of Global Partners, SGR Energy Incorporated, and MRE Consulting Limited. Ken is the president of the advisory board for the Energy Institute High School, chairs the technology committee for Stages Repertoire Theater, and is a board member at HITS Theater. He is also an advisory board member for the CIO Executive Council and a mentor in their leadership development program. Ken is recognized as an industry thought leader. He's a regular speaker at business and associated conferences, has been featured in multiple media publications, and is an IDG contributing editor to the CIO, CSO, Network World, and Computer World. He has been named a Computer World Premier 100 technology leader, is a CIO 100 award winner, and has twice been recognized as the Information Week 500 top technology innovator. With that uh, great introduction, uh, because you have a wonderful uh, a wonderful background and experience space, Ken, welcome to uh, the Momenta Digital Leadership Podcast. Ah, thanks for having me, Ken. Great. So we're really going to talk about three things for listeners of our podcast series. Number one, we always talk about the digital industry journey because we love to see how people have uh, have risen in terms of digital leadership and what their influencers and impacts have been. Um, second, as a practitioner, really relevant to energy sector um, and as a CIO and truly as I'd say CIO as a digital change leader. And of course, as a leader uh, currently at the C as CIO of U.S. Silica, so Ken, tell us a bit about your professional journey and how this has informed your views of digital industry. Um, absolutely, yeah. My, you know, I, I don't have the traditional career journey uh, that one might think of for a CIO who's someone who's been a CIO at a at, at publicly traded companies. I've, uh, I've I've kind of bounced around a little bit from my CIO work. Uh, Software development companies, uh, consulting, but my, the foundation really starts uh, at a job I had summers from college, uh, build, uh, working for a building supply and, and masonry supply company, where I got uh, I started working in the yard as a, as a yardman, and then ultimately to uh, doing inside sales and running running the uh, dispatch. I, I drove a truck uh, to doing accounting to running every aspect of the business. I was really taken under the the wing by uh, the the. CEO of the company, um, I was kind of the son he never had, and he uh, he helped develop me and teach me about how to run an organization. And I look back at that time uh, as really a foundation to everything that 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 we do. We think about digital. Um, you know, you can't. You can't drive value for your organization unless you understand the business. You understand your customer needs, 
understand what's going on throughout your organization at every different business unit, every different department. Uh, I think the foundation things I learned there really helped me. And I look back to that moment in time often um, to and pull on experiences there that really have helped shape who I am uh, to, today. You know, but moving on from that, my time where I worked at a software development company, I own my own, my own consulting firm, and I've worked with other consulting firms. Um, those areas really gave me a good perspective of the customer. Um, going out there and seeing what the technology I was creating was being able to do for them and where their needs were. How do we solve problems? How do we create the right business outcomes through the use of, of digital technologies was, was really what pushed me and helps drive me to today. And then fast forward from there to my role as CEO at Global Partners or at SGR Energy and today at US Silica, uh, uh, those, you know, those foundational things have really helped me Think about our customer. Think about my my peers throughout the organization, and and how do we use technology to create a better experience for our customers and engage with them differently, add value to to whatever our core products are, and then also take a look at the digital side from internal in the organization and how do we create the digital workplace? How do we change how we work? And there's never been uh, more to that than today as we think about everything going on from a COVID-19 perspective and how we need to we need to look at that and how business has changed. But it's been an interesting journey. I want I wouldn't change it all. Uh, you know, but uh, it's, I think it's helped put me in a good spot for where I am today and how I'm able to lead here uh, as CIO at U.S. Silica. I love the uh, deep operational background, especially as you uh, you talk about that that first uh, that first career opportunity at a very uh, young young age. So, what what inspired you to make the that next leap um, into I'd say into digital, but it sounds like you were already well into that. But at Triple Point and and then Leland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the. the, the the change really came. I mean, like I said I, I worked for that building supply company for many years. It went from summers at college to to, to a whole lot more. Um, but there was a, there was a point where you couldn't go any further unless I became part of the family. Uh, and I'd always had a love for technology, and I needed to be able to really make that um, what was first for us. So I took an opportunity that just happened to fall in my lap one day with Triple Point, and uh, got there and. and ultimately started as a junior developer from there, became head of product development. But what I found I loved most was was being there, uh, engaged at our customer site, seeing how my software was being used uh, throughout an organization as a system of, not just system of record, but a system of engagement. Uh, and that gave me the passion to see I could do a whole lot more uh, for these organizations than just the software product that I'm that of the company I'm working for. And that led me to leave there and start Lyland Associates. Uh, and there was my opportunity to start doing more, to really focus on how to drive technology initiatives for our customers. I served a lot in that capacity, in that role as the capacity between uh, the different business users and IT, helping serve as that liaison, being the person who could translate uh, what they were talking about and what they needed into the technology and vice versa, helping people really communicate in the right ways to talk about how we could leverage technology to drive those business outcomes. And that really led me into to Global Partners uh, with a big project and ultimately on to CIO. Yeah, in fact, I, I noticed that a, a sizable leap, it seems like a, a short time as a director of applications and software development there, and then you jump to a CIO for a, a long tenure. Tell me a bit about that jump. Yeah, so while, while I was working and had the company at Lineland Associates, 
Uh, I was working on a big project for Global. I was also serving as their director uh, as in, a, in a consulting fashion, a director of applications. Uh, when we decided that uh, it was time to kind of shut Lyland down and they wanted me to be their, their CIO, the, the, the role of director of IT was a stopgap in between. We knew I was going to the, the CIO role it was just a, a temporary a temporary title change in, mm. in there as we moved moved forward. But yeah, it was a big leap, and it wasn't it wasn't per se on my career journey as as we went. It was it was taking advantage of an opportunity. It demonstrated uh, through the project we were doing some really good things and how we were creating value for the organization in ways they had never had before. Uh, that combined, I think, with my leadership uh, was the the desire for their CEO uh, to say, Ken, I'd like you to run IT for us um, because where I'm trying to take the company, where we're going to grow, I have great plans, and I believe technology has to be a, a, a big component, big contributor uh, of that. So the opportunity with a company I already knew well um, to really help transform technology, help change the shape of that company, uh, was it was an amazing um I kind of guess opportunity to that you couldn't you couldn't say no to, uh, and I learned so much in that opportunity. We took we took the company at the time I started at CIO. We were just about six billion in revenue, grew to twenty billion in revenue, and it was because we became a very very different company. We grew up in uh, Global grew up as a home heating oil distri distributor and, and gasoline distributor. By the time I left, we still did that. We were moving crude oil out of the Bakken region. We were moving ethanol by rail all across the country. Uh, we owned 15, 1,200, 1,500 gas stations and convenience stores, built a new new, new brand of, of convenience stores to go in with our gas stations to give ourselves an identity. We owned an ethanol refinery out on the West Coast. We were operating in 40 of the 50 states, 38 of the 50 states in what we did. So our business had dramatically dramatically transformed and technology was a big part of it. Uh, you know, we, we got those gas stations, we built a mobile application that allowed you to pay at the pump um, and loyalty. And it was a real big part to our digital and how we engaged our customers differently. There was a big part to it of how we looked at data and, and took advantage of the data differently to make more timely business decisions. That was a very volatile market. Uh, and we worked on pennies on the dollar from a from a from a margin perspective. So how could you provide the insights that could be actionable uh, to to your various traders and marketers, uh, business development folks, to take action upon how the market was moving, how your customers were buying your product, so that you could really tweak what you were doing each day to maximize your your potential profitability. Um, and that was a big part to what we're doing. So there's a little bit internal, and there was a big part external. And how we uh, engaged with our customer, but a lot of M and A went on in that, um, in order to to get that dramatic growth and regionally, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a it was a great great experience. Um, got to develop my team. Got to to work in a number of different capacities, even outside of IT, where I ran an operational support group in addition to IT, uh, which was really ordered to cash. Uh, so that exposure there on our wholesale business to see what was going on and being involved in that there. At, at such a deep level. Again, another part to help shape and see what the customer needed and how we could add value uh, to our customers through what we were what we were doing. And it was a lot of a lot of fun. Again, back to that foundation a lot to uh, uh, support who I am today. Well, and clearly uh, some great best practices in that you you went to MRE and developed effectively a, a CIO advisory service. Um, 
Give, give me a sense of, at the time, what was the state of the CIO? Because this was right around the time that, you know, uh, GE started talking about chief digital officers, of course, the emergence of, you know, Bill Rue and that Arsha type. Um, you know, what was the state of the CIO in the sense that um, um, keeping the lights on, shall we say, versus really leading digital change in their organizations? Yeah. Um, the state of the CIO, and I think then and and even now, uh, is still very much there's a there's a there's a it's there's a lot of different types of CIOs out there. Uh, there are as I, some foundational those who really are strong at keeping the lights on. There are others who are kind of a little bit more transformational who still do a good job keeping the lights on and able to to drive some business value. And then there's the game changers, the real business strategists. Those are the ones able to drive their true digital initiatives that really engage in differently with our customer. Um, but you had companies going, I need that strategist. Uh, I need that true game-changing CIO. And whether we call that a CIO or a chief digital officer or chief technology are, or through some combination of these letters together, uh, you had companies doing all sorts of different things. And I think a lot of it had to do with how capable did we believe our CIO was? Did we view them only uh, as the lights on type person, or did we believe, believe they could be a game changer? And some of that was perception. Some of that was reality. Some of that was the culture of the, the organization. I think it still is today. I'm not one who's big on the titles. I'm big on what the outcomes, uh, the position can can do. What what can we do? I don't care if you want to call me the chief information officer, chief technology, chief digital. Um, to me, they're they're really those titles help you uh, on a resume and makes it looks good for the wherever the next company is, the next organization you're talking to. But what's really important is the outcomes you're going to be able to to drive, and that's about the person and that's about the culture. At MRE, when we started the CEO advisory and transformation practice. Um, it was me coming in and taking my experience of leading a Fortune 250 company with through that dramatic growth, taking those practices uh, and being able to help others. I looked at it as a sandbox for my for myself in that this was my opportunity to take the things that I had done really well, help others do it, take the things maybe I didn't do as well and I needed to continue to to work on and an experiment with those by helping others through those same challenges, positioning me for wherever the next the next CIO role, because I ultimately wanted to be back uh, into the corporate side, and this was just uh, one more part to that career journey uh, that I that I stepped through. And you clearly did make the jump to uh, to SGR uh, at the time. Um, oil and gas has not been the most advanced from a digital technology of, of sectors, yet it, it certainly benefits highly from it, especially in, in efficiencies. Uh, give me a sense of what you saw as kind of the, the, the digital impact at the time, um, like a circuit you know, 2018 or 2018, excuse me, um, you know, for uh, oil and gas. Yeah, I think oil and gas, you're right, has always kind of been a bit a bit of a laggard in the as an industry as a whole in adopting new technologies uh, for uh, how do we run our business as it relates to the production side and 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 the, and the refining side of things. All of that, no, they're they're much more on the, on the uh, as a leader in being able to create and design it. But when it came to or comes to technology driven to make people's working lives easier, engaging with the customer, that definitely far, far, far behind. Um, but what I did start to see, and it's really happened probably over the last five to, to, to 
well, not quite, I'll call it five years, really a, a bigger push to how do I look at automation differently, whether that's officially robotic process automation or, or others, how do we better integrate with different, different systems to really um, make our data flow uh, smoother, make our lives easier? Uh, how do we look at data differently, whether that's geological uh, imaging as we, we go there, whether it's the data around transactions, it's being able to do more predictive analysis on at a refinery of what's the slate of crude I have and the feedstock and what's the output I need to meet my customer demand. How can I more predictively look at how to optimize my refinery to, to do that? It's been a lot of engineers doing that over the years. And now if you could leverage technology, uh, maybe even some AI in there to, to, to help that, that was the start. And you're starting to see companies do that. And then we're probably, I'll take this from the midstream to downstream side of the oil and gas industry, The probably the, the biggest lag is is how do you use technology to engage with your customers and add value to your customers? Because we think about, I'm selling a, I hate to say it, dirty oil-related product, gasoline. People don't think of that as anything cool. It's just, I deliver gasoline. It, it is what it is. It's a commodity. I, what could I do from a technology perspective? And I'd argue there's a lot. I can do things, one, as I'm a midstream, I'm selling to my whoever my end customer is, how could I make their cost of doing business with us less? If I'm selling in bulk to the person who's going to then supply it to you to put in your car, how can I help them, whether it's integration to their systems, giving them visibility into contract performance, um, some, some very common things we might think of in, in other things we do as a consumer. Or how can I engage my customers different like we did at Global Partners with that mobile application where you could pay at the pump. You could you pulled up to the pump. You could engage on your phone. You didn't have to step out of the car until it was time to actually put the nozzle uh, into, your, into your tank. And at the, then at the time from there, I could earn, I was getting advertising targeted to me. I was getting opportunity to earn loyalty points. We were trying to grab the customer and pull them into the store because the real money is made from the products they buy in the store, from the potato chips and the sodas and all that. We, make, we don't make a lot of the gasoline. So how can we, how can we get them into the store uh, to buy additional products? And that's where those real opportunities are. Customer engagement, I believe automation. Uh, and, and, and data. And I think, um, I think we're seeing more of that happen today. And I'll add one more part to the oil and gas, which has been probably slower in recent years, is to how do I advance cybersecurity? Uh, we think about the, the robust infrastructure uh, that exists and how critical it is to our nation uh, that that infrastructure be running operationally sound and secure. Um, and there's a lot of old infrastructure, whether it's we're talking about the oil and gas side, you want to get into utilities. There's been more and more emphasis on the security of that and how do we fix that? How do we apply more technology to that? How do we look at things like AI for security? Um, I think we've seen a big push in, in that side as well in the oil and gas space. Mm. Yeah. Let, let me ask, and maybe this is as relevant to, um, you know, talking about U.S. Silica, but do you have influence over both IT and OT in the organization? Because when you think cybersecurity and the way you've portrayed it, it clearly affects both areas. So the answer is yes, I do, uh, and, ha and always have. So I'll go back to Global Partners first. I owned IT and OT. So for an OT perspective for us, uh, we own 20-something, 20 27 uh, product distribution terminals. All of them had security and automation systems that controlled the recipes and the loading and unloading of trucks and, and ships. And that technology fell into my group. I actually had a separate separate arm of IT that, that had the deeper knowledge with dotted lines back in the infrastructure and applications. 
moved to the gas stations. That meant gas pumps. That meant point-of-sale systems. Uh, that meant uh, TVs on the, on the pumps to entertain you while you filled your tank. All that was, was, was owned by, by my group as well. Fast forward to SGR Energy. Uh, we owned a terminal down in Barranquilla, Colombia. We were building another distribution facility uh, in Texas. Um, I was involved in that construction right from the start, not just worrying about where piping and everything was, but talking about the technology that was going to operate that through an automation, whether that was how the inventory levels were managed with technology in the tanks, the controls to uh, manage the flow of product through the pipelines, to the loading and unloading of, of, of rail cars. That OT was all, all part of it. So we've, that one was great because it was being built from the ground up so we could think about security and automation right from the start, where every other one was something that was inherited, uh, often through acquisition, and you had to go back after the fact and think about how you wanted to, to adjust that. Today at US Silica, um, you know, come in, we've got uh, 25, 26 plants uh, operating today and thinking about how do we use IoT uh, uh, in there to, again, gain insights into the operations of our equipment, to help them run better, manage things from a maintenance perspective, gain gain in data from there to make insights that will help us run those facilities. We may be doing sand-related uh, products, but I, I related a lot to the refineries I've worked for in the past uh, in that it's still a big chemistry set. You've got your inputs and your desired output, and, and uh, what do you do all the way along the way to make that raw material go in and produce the produce the end product that we desire in the most effective and efficient way. And I think the technology there, combined with the security component to it, um, is critical. And yes, I have a role in, in all of that. Excellent. So given the breadth of business lines at U.S. Silica, how do you organize and manage digital initiatives and whether they're you know, upstream, uh, client-facing, et cetera? Yeah, easier easier said than done. And U.S. Silica is a 120-year-old uh, company. Today, we're broken down into two core business segments with two business units under each of them. So we have an oil and gas segment, and we have an industrial segment. Inside oil and gas is our oil and gas segment that, that produces mines and refines the, the sand-related products used for fracking. And also in the oil and gas segment, is, is our what we call sandbox logistics. That's our arm, our last mile logistics that brings sand to the customer. One of the most interesting ones uh, from an opportunity to really think about digital and how do you, how do you change the game, game right there because there's so many other extra moving parts. Then we move over to our industrial side and we're broken up into two, two divisions there, one called specialty uh, minerals and one called performance materials. One's about us producing the raw materials that are used by others to make something. So sand that's used to manufacture glass, as an example, um, where the performance materials are, we're, we're creating finished products that end users or different materials for building building material or into a, a kitchen countertop. Uh, those are, or filtration for your beer and wine. Those are all end products. So we have these various segments. Um, it's challenging when you think about how to prioritize because you've really got four uh, distinct business units with four individual leaders, each with their own priorities. Uh, and then from a technology perspective, we have to satisfy all of them. We do have to look holistically as a company uh, and how do we uh, how do we manage that? But it's really been driven by where we think the busiest return on investment, the biggest change to our company. So driven by business outcomes. 
We've put a lot of effort into the sandbox side of, of late, uh, really changing and automating the dispatch world. We put a mobile application out in September of last year uh, that engaged with our 800 plus drivers to give them their dispatch loads uh, so they could accept the orders, they could get out to the site to pick up the sand, deliver the sand to the specific um, well site, send the, the documents back all digital to us. Again, it helps us with engagement with our drivers because some of those are employees, some of those are contractors. It helps us speed time to delivery, helps us let our customers know better uh, the um, where their loads are in the world. Kind of think about it as the, I can see where my Uber is, I can see, you know, know where my truck is, uh, to ultimately getting that back in and get turning order to cash. How fast can I, I get the accurate data back into the office, manage through there, and invoice our customers. So it's about time value of money uh, as as well. But it really comes to business outcomes. I mean, we think about our industrial side, which has been very lax, I guess, or, or limited on the technology as we think about digital for a customer engagement. That's where I think there's a lot of opportunity to continue to push forward on and how do we engage to it? How do we add value add to our products with our customers? Sure, we're doing a lot of uh, technology integration with the suppliers and with invoicing, but that's that, to me, that's foundational still. There's a lot more that we can do, and I think that's where some of the, the future opportunities hold. Where, where do you look for uh, inspiration or innovation in this space? You mentioned Uber a moment ago in comparison of that with your own, you know, your own trucks. I, I look everywhere, I, uh, inside, outside my industry, uh, to my, my friends in the, in the CIO world uh, at their companies and see what they're doing. doing. But uh, I've always looked to, to everything I can, I can think of. Cause just because it works at one organization doesn't mean, or in one industry doesn't mean it can't work for another uh, industry as well. We might just have to, to tweak it around. So look for innovation everywhere. Obviously, I look for my team as well, and I look to my customers and my peers in, but I, I like to look outside. When we built the mobile application at Global, uh, I talked to some people I knew over at Starbucks. I love the Starbucks mobile application and how that worked in my experience as a customer. Um, so we modeled a lot of it after their their platform going, how can we use what, what a coffee company, uh, how they distribute product there and engage with their customers, how could we do something for that, similar to that in the experience at the gas pump? We we like to think of it as pattern matching, if you will. In this case, you know, pattern pattern matching of successful uh, uh, digital uh, patterns and or initiatives that are out there. Um, I, I think you know. I guess given the 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 the, uh, the last couple months and certainly the uh, the COVID pandemic has changed a lot of things we would have considered to be you know normal behavior before and and after. I guess one one impact has COVID had on on overall on you uh, your company, but more importantly on the overall industry. Yeah, it's it's had a lot of impacts, um, good and bad. Um, you know, first you think about what it's done and, and it's reduced demand uh, for our products. So that has, has slowed down, down business. You know, we do a lot of building materials. We do the oil and gas, all that stuff has slowed dramatically. So we've had to readjust our plans and how we are producing product to, to, to really slow down because the demand has, has reduced so dramatically. But on the other side, as we think about daily work, um, you know, our plants, they had to stay operational. They were vital still, even though the demand was smaller. What we do in, um, in the oil and gas side, what we do in the uh, industrial side, 
for um, things in life sciences and filtration. Those were all things that still needed to be be, be happening, uh, and they were critical. So we had to relook at our operations, and um, safety is one of our core values. How do we provide an environment that our, our plant workers could, could continue to do their job and do so safely uh, during this pandemic? And we had to make a lot of adjustments there. Um, and, and those weren't weren't that hard. We, I think, as a company, really strong operationally and had already been doing a lot of things to keep our employees safe. Um, so I think this was just a natural extension of our, our safety group. Um, and we're able to make that, you know, we, we moved forward on that without a, without a hitch. You now move to the, the corporate side of things and the office workers. That's where there was actually a lot more change that, that, that happened. I think a lot of opportunity actually exists here into the future. Now, I'm proud to say our business continuity plan worked very well. We were able to move remotely um, fairly seamlessly. A couple things we had to, to go through and and, uh, and make some adjustments on at the last minute as we were going through our kind of checklist and, you know, realizing what this meant on such a large scale that you've, you've not really practiced and, and, and dealt with before and had to engage with some of our vendors a little differently to, to have them help us make sure we were smooth to go. But now we're working remotely. What, what then happened, and I think, I think a lot of companies saw the same thing, is we started to work differently. Um, the, the video meetings, the use of all these different collaboration platforms, which were kind of a secondary thing we used, not something we were engaged in all day, all, all the time, um, and how we could use those differently. So to me, it was about now the digital workplace that some of us have talked about was being starting to be realized or starting to be realized that this is a necessity, not just through what we do with video and collaboration tools, but, but how did we get rid of a lot of the paper? How did we get rid of and change things from where we had to have all the direct next door to my office kind of uh, in-person in meetings and what could we do and how could we take our data? How could we engage with our, our coworkers differently? Um, that was the need. And that's to me part of the, the digital workplace. How do we how do we work differently? Uh, I think this is gonna really be um, this whole pandemic is gonna gonna help light a fire under organizations to think differently about work. We're gonna have more people working remotely for a long time or maybe permanently, because that's just what works for your organization. That's gonna reduce what you need from an office footprint, that's gonna change how you even look at your talent. Do I have to have someone who's based here in the same city as my my office that's going to come in and have a desk? Or can I, did I just open up my talent pool because we successfully worked remotely um, that now I can go ahead and hire somebody in a different city and let them can just be a permanent work, remote work employee? I think that's going to be some interesting opportunities for us as uh, as companies and particularly in IT when talent is tight in your area and you can start to just spread out and look, look differently. But I think on the digital side, it's going to open the doors to uh, thinking more about how we how to work differently. And that's going to really drive the initiative of the digital workplace in many organizations. At the uh, height of the pandemic, there was a, a meme floating around LinkedIn that was a, a checklist or survey. It said, who's driving digital change at your company? You know, checkbox one, CIO, checkbox two, CDO, checkbox three, which was checked, COVID-19. <laughs> and and probably pretty pretty accurate in that regard. We have uh, actually done a, a webinar uh, a couple months ago on the, the, how um, – 
how climactic change, if you will, or you know, critical change um, has usually created a rapid adoption of digital technologies. And post, you know, post 911 is is a quintessential example. And so, um, in this case, we do see rapid adoption of, uh, especially remote access technologies. We see budget moving from, uh, you know, say, traditional business uses to IT and OT over the last several months. And many of our portfolio companies, Momentum Ventures, have have seen the same. In in what should be, you know, ultimately a, a downturn across the industry, we've actually seen an upturn in at least quote unquote truly digital companies that are supporting this uh, digital industry space. So um, it, uh, I think, it lines pretty well with what uh, what you were saying there. Um, yeah. Final question we always like to uh, we always like to talk about is um, you know what what inspires you in terms of speakers, books, uh, uh, resources, etc. How do you uh, how do you look how do you find innovation and and what keeps you really inspired? Wow, no, it's a great, great, great question. You know, I'll answer a couple of ways. But I'll start kind of from a from a book and resources. There's a few authors I think have been I've used the word foundation a lot here in our conversation that to me have been a foundation to my uh, career again, that I've read all of their books and and, and look back to them and reference them uh, uh, often. Anything from Patrick Lencioni uh, are some of are my all-time favorites. Um, Brene Brown's things about Dare to Lead is a, is, a, is an important one. Um, Peter High, who funny you just mentioned about that little checklist, uh, he's up there on, on LinkedIn right now, is an article he has from Forbes in that checkbox, uh, is there right now about who led your digital transformation. Uh, so Peter's stuff, he's been great with all his articles. Uh, and then there's a, a woman named Erica Keswin, and this is someone newer to the to the authors out there with the books. Um, she has one called Bring Your Human to Work. And I really found that one interesting. We think about the world of digital and technology, 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 but we still have to be humans. Uh, and I, th- I found that, that to be really in- interesting read uh, and, a, and a good one there to to look at and use as, as inspiration for where you want to go. Uh, I mentioned my peers in the CIO community. I leverage that group uh, and believe strongly in those relationships over and over. Don't, don't reinvent the wheel, look to your, your, your peers who've been there, done that, uh, pr- learn from them, provide them some, some learnings from you, help each other out through your, through your, your good and bad. Um, and that's something I, I, I do all the time, but, but my real inspiration, uh, for all of it and has been for a long time has really been my kids. Uh, I've learned a lot from my, my kids, particularly over these last probably, uh, five, six years, my kids are in musical theater. Uh, what they do, on stage, and they've had the opportunity to perform in front of some very large audiences, um, and see what goes on there as we think about how do they prepare for putting on this performance. And I've taken things there back to my organization. Like we can't do what we do well unless we prepare, unless we thought through all the aspects of it and know how to how to go. Whether it's about implementing this particular project, whether it's about uh, engaging differently with our customer, or our peers in the business, we have to have a plan. We have to know what we're trying to, to to do, and seeing what they do on stage, and then it doesn't always all go right. People forget lines, people miss their cues, and how they're able to adapt. But you, as the audience, have no idea that anything really went went wrong. Um, it's been a great inspiration for me, and what I've taken away from learnings from them um, to be able to apply that into what I do as a technology leader. Additionally, as you, you mentioned in my bio, uh, I mentor for a number of, of different things. I serve as the president of the advisory board for a, what's called the Energy Institute High School. It's a 100% STEM project-based high school here in Houston. Uh, my son's a graduating senior. Um, 
being there and seeing what the future work for the future leaders uh, are, especially from a technology perspective, is all these kids. I think seventy-five percent of them, the graduating class, are all going into something within engineering or technology uh, as they're coming out into going into college. That's a big inspiration for me. And looking and talking to these kids who are digital natives, they they're not like you and I who, who who grew up and actually knew what a rotary phone was and didn't have the internet at all and didn't didn't just weren't always on connected. They know nothing different. And they that's all it's ever been for them. And being able to see how they have no fear of technology, no fear of change, they're they're able to move so quickly. They're your new customer. They're going to be your new leaders in your organization. So being able to see from them and learn from them and also help guide them so that they can be uh, the best that they can be. Because I, I believe when we're developing our future workforce and future leaders, that's a big part to my inspiration. That's why I do so many of those mentoring things uh, that I do. It's, it's the give back component, but there's also a selfish side that I'm learning a ton uh, from them and being able to bring that back to my organizations. You know, there's an old adage that your life is divided into thirds. There is the learning phase, the earning phase, and the returning phase. It's neat to see you actually combining uh, both of the, the latter two into into one. Uh, obviously, giving back while you you continue to you know to drive change. So this has been uh, Ken Pittington, uh, I'll say lifelong CIO and digital change leader, who happens to be at US Silica now, and uh, and I'm sure benefiting that organization great, but uh, who has been uh, uh, instrumental in change in a number of companies, and uh, very exciting to uh, have you on this uh, on this podcast, Ken. Well, thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate the opportunity. All right. Well, thank you so much, and uh, for our listeners, uh, we look forward to engaging you uh, next week with uh, edition number ninety-six of our Digital Leadership Podcast. Take care and have a great day. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Leadership Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the discussions. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at momenta.one for archived versions of prior podcasts, webinars, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.